0: Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about belonging because belonging is really important. And the reason it's really, really important, this is sort of going to be more about, well, anyway, it's kind of a church belonging for these kind of age group because... We all want to belong somewhere, right? We all crave that, we all crave being known, we all crave being a part of something. Um, And so belonging really means that like we are part of this church family. And so as much as we want our children to grow as little individuals that love Jesus, the reality is they are part of God's special family, you know, they belong here. Um, And so I just loved some of these things. Christians are drawn out of themselves and into a family of new siblings all of whom have the same father they learn each other's names they take on each other's burdens they learn from each other's lives and they encourage each other to excel still more for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus so belonging is to know that you're loved and that you're welcomed by jesus but also it's so important within the context of our church lives that they are like learning how to love one another and know one another and really know adults that love them and care for them um This is from Heirs of the Covenant. The Covenant community is a wild and wonderful conglomeration of God's children, which actually means all of us, not just children, children, because we are all. (laughs) Um, Most of you probably have very little in common except our kinship with our elder brother, Jesus. But it is this kinship that binds us together in an eternal bond. God establishes this community. It is our privilege and responsibility to maintain, nurture, and cultivate a community life that will be compelling evidence of our adoption and so for our little friends that are tweens and teens it's real awkward for them sometimes at church um i feel like the younger ones are still pretty like happy-go-lucky um they get along with their buds they're happy to go to church when their parents tell them to i feel like in those next years it gets a little more like who's going to be there am i going to know anybody It's going to be fun. I mean, you know, like they get kind of like, "Eh, I don't want to sit through church. Church is more, right? I mean, you know, it gets all those things where it's really hard to get them to want to feel part of this covenant community. And we can say all these words. And as adults, we've had the privilege, some of us, of like growing up in the church. So we believe it to be true because we've seen God's goodness to us in faithful community. But for some of them, it's still that awkward phase of like, I mean, I'd rather be with my friends, or I would be, and I don't know y'all's context, but in our church context, that's really a struggle for our little tweens and teens to want to show up and be a part and get to know each other. They want to be with their school friends, because we have a lot of um, schools that are mixed into our church context, so you've got all the little suburbs, and then it's like, well, so-and-so going to be here from that suburb, so... um Just helping them see that bigger picture that they are part of God's family and that they belong is kind of what we're going to talk about. But y'all all all as adults that have children, but also that are um, hanging out with children and have spiritual children and all the things, this was from a study that just kind of shows you how important it is for children to have meaningful relationships with adults. And I think sometimes, like, I mean, I hang out with, like, first through fifth graders a lot at church. (laughs) And I'm always like, yeah, you're not listening to a word I'm saying, are you? You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we feel like we're having no impact or there's no traction. But really over time, it is really amazing this difference here in the meaningful relationships. I think meaningful is important there, meaning that they are investing in those children. And it really is paying an eternal dividend that sometimes we won't see until you know, maybe a long time. We may never see it this side of heaven. Um, but okay. So our little friends, this is really more kids that are probably, um, upper elementary age kids. So they're growing. I always like to remind people, children are growing. Children are maturing. Children are sinners. (laughs) We are sinners. They just manifest their sins in different ways. We've learned to mask them. We've learned to, like, keep them sort of hidden. But this is sort of what, when I'm hanging out with kids, this has been true, and this is sort of some things. They love to be silly. They love humor. They think it's so funny to be funny and silly. They sort of love competition. And I will say in teaching and hanging out with kids, competition is usually um, an easy thing to go to. Competition does not always encourage learning. So that is, like, kind of a hard Thing, but a lot of times they love to be competitive with girls versus boys they kind of they kind of are getting into that um, their little bodies are changing especially when they're like nines and tens and eleven and 12 and 13 and so that can be awkward for them that can make them feel uncomfortable and insecure they're navigating te- teams and friend groups and tryouts and technology and who has a phone I mean they're, they're, their little minds are having to handle a lot of things going on um, Friend groups, especially in those age groups, I feel like start to form, especially like once they're in the middle school age group. And that is like a hard thing to navigate. Um, They're probably wanting to push boundaries. Like we laugh, our little church on Wednesday nights, our fourth and fifth graders, I get tickled because I'm always like, can can y'all please just stay in the rooms we've asked you to stay? But they're always, like, wandering off. They're like, oh, we're just going to get water. And then we'll find them, like, down in a classroom somewhere. I'm like, no, 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 no. Come back, come back, come back. You know, and those are just little ways of pushing boundaries. But they do kind of want to feel some, like, independence. Um, And it's good to give them that. Like, we want to be teaching them responsibility um, and how to. But we also want to keep the boundaries. Um, If they're still in the tween years, they probably are still, like, happy to please their parents. Um, But as they grow, like, their likes and their dislikes and what they want and what they want to wear and what they want to do is really so much more influenced by their friends, which is sad. Um, so we always laugh, like, I remember this sweet mom, my kids basically, because I would have to be at church early and then my husband was getting them dressed, like we've always just let our kids dress themselves for Sunday morning. Okay, so it was the coldest day in January and Pearson and Philip, my two boys, come in in short sleeve shirts and flip-flops. It, it was, li- this was like, I mean, a couple years ago, but literally the coldest day of the year, okay? and this sweet mom who didn't really realize they were my boys she comes like walking in, she she's like i cannot believe it there is a, there are kids out there and they're wearing short sleeves and flip flops and i was like oh those are my kids and she goes oh and and then like her you know kids are like perfectly like with bows and lace and like knee socks and like sweet little croy pants <laughs> buttoned up down the back so beautifully groomed and i was like oh yeah she goes oh so there's a day where they they dress what they want to wear I was like oh yeah I think it would be a lot easier for you if you chose it now I'm just kidding but like I'm just using that her kids are precious and I love but it just made me giggle that she was like there's these kids and they're in flow I was like but you know what Daryl's like get your clothes off we're going to church and he's like get in the car we're going so I thought that was kind of funny so that was just a battle we chose not to pick but they you know whatever. They wear what they want to wear. No. Um, And then they also, this is the thing about kids, they can study the word of God. They can learn and they can grow and they are amazing and they can think critically about things. And I really think sometimes we think they can't, but they can, they can do so much. And I laugh about this because we'll get to this a little bit because relationship is very important. our fourth and fifth grade Sunday school teacher, we combine them and this is a man named Bernie and Bernie has taught fourth and fifth sunday grade sunday school at our church for 30 years. The um awesome girl that I'm so thankful for that we just hired to finally replace sweet Katie who's been gone for like 2 years to work with me is named Sarah. Sarah grew up at our church. She's awesome. Mr. Bernie taught her in Sunday school back in the day when she was there. So Mr. Bernie has taught for a long time. Now Mr. Bernie has worksheets. You come in, you sit down and you go to work for an hour. He gets fourth and fifth graders to learn from him for a full hour okay now no other phase no other place that those children go any other day of the week do they learn for a i mean like i'm like bernie adults aren't doing that adults are getting coffee and visiting and then sitting down and learning for like 20 minutes they've already sat through worship so sweet bernie and i've gone back and forth on this but this is what i'll say about mr bernie Mr. Bernie's got them with their Bibles out. They are learning how to look up scripture. They're writing down their answer. I mean, they are learning from Bernie and they can do it. He's like, they can do it. I'm like, they can't do it. Can we just put a little bit of relational capital? I love Mr. Bernie. He's the best. He's an awesome teacher. Um, And then when they get to be that teenage years, they might start to question things. They, I mean, they've been, you've taught them all these things and you're like, you've grown up in the church. But like, honestly, again, this is where we have to trust the work of the spirit in their lives, right? Like it's gotta be them taking hold of their faith. And um, so I would say keep bringing them to church though, but obviously, you know, they just can really think and dig deep. So how do we build belonging? Y'all are gonna get tired of me saying the word listen, but um, listen and learn from them. Um, Adults asking children, and this would be any child in the church, it goes so far when an adult leans down and looks at a child in the eye and says hey you know gets to know them remembers things about them goes back and talks to them about those things creating a safe environment so whether that means at home we're making it like we talked about a little bit earlier like a safe space where they always feel like it is okay for me to come and say hey i did xyz and to be received with grace and then in a church context, it means safe, that we choose people to be around our children that are safe, we have boundaries. And we also create environments where kids are safe from other kids, right? We don't wanna open up a space where other kids are gonna get teased or where we're allowing people to feel uncomfortable or making people feel like they can't share it. Now, you can't always do that perfectly, but we wanna create environments that are safe and nourishing for flourishing. And then also, we wanna pray with our kids and for our kids. Um, my i love to hear kids pray like maybe one of the sweetest things is we kind of all gather and for sunday school and um at the end we let the kids pray for different missionaries and i love to see who raises their hand and i love for them to come up and pray in front of the whole group and i cannot tell you how many parents when they hear that their hearts are like melted just to hear the little sweet prayers of these children and those are really more like first through third graders but just giving them the opportunity to pray in front of their friends. And then when they give you things to pray for, pray for them out loud with everybody so that they're seeing that you are praying for them and that you care about what they've said. And then teaching the word. I love, I love, 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 love teaching Bible study. I love teaching the word to kids. I love talking about the word with kids. I love it. And I think it is like hearing of the word is what we know transforms lives. It just is, by the work of the Holy Spirit, by hearing is what transforms lives. And the Word of God does not return void. And so, in all the ways that we share the Word, like I said, we may never see on this side, you know, or like when they're in our midst, the things that that is gonna grow and produce in their lives, but it is alive and active. And so, if anything, being able to tell the story well to children so that they hear it and receive it is so important. Um, And so, just to be able to tell them and just, If you think about the way you were taught when you were little, um, my mom and I have this conversation all the time because we so grew up, and me maybe less than her, and just with those like, you wanna be like Daniel, or you wanna be like David, you know, all those little stories, and it misses that bigger picture, right? We're talking about being all of who this awesome God is. And even now in women's Bible study, we've been teaching judges at Covenant, and I get so tickled And like the women's Bible study group, because they're just so funny because they get so stuck on the characters in the story. And I'm like, we need to take our eyes off the character and look at what God's doing. So just being able to teach our kids that because we don't just want to teach them how to be good people. We want them, like Stephen was saying last night, to be transformed and then remind them who they are in Christ. Okay. every time we're with our children, we have such a beautiful opportunity to remind them of who they are in Christ. The world tells them a million different things. They hear all sorts of stuff. Now, I don't know where y'all's kids all go to. Ch- my kids go to public school. We, we have to talk about a lot. They are around a lot of people that do a lot of things that are not, not good. <laughs> so we talk about that a lot. But this is the thing. I want my kids to know who they are in Christ. I want them to know that they're a new creation. I want them to know all the benefits that are theirs in Christ. And so our children that are with us, that are in those ages, for them just to already be so rooted in that is so important. And so we have that opportunity to constantly be reminding them of who they are, of what they were actually created to do. What? To know and enjoy God, to glorify Him. You know, those are the things they're created for, and I think just reminding them. And then serving alongside kids in church helps them feel like they're a part. Um, And I think this is hard. I feel like a lot of families, my my own family, struggles, like, with this, too. But um, we were having a conversation, and Robbie, our pastor, asked me. He was like, what's the thing you're most looking forward to coming up in the next couple weeks? And I was like, honestly, the thing I'm looking most forward to is we have these friends. This is not through our church. And they put together this huge, like, service project where you get to shop for kids. They've, like, adopted one whole housing project in Birmingham. We shop for the kids. We wrap all the stuff up. We don't wrap it up. We put it in bags, but whatever. We take it down. We sort it. We set it all out. But it's like, you know, a whole thing, right, around Christmas time. And I was like, you know what I'm looking forward to the most is going and doing that with my kids, alongside my kids, where I'm not in charge, you know, like not at church, where normally, again, you're going to Bible study. You're going to serve. You know, because I'm there. Um, y'all are like, she has a black heart. Why is she talking to us? <laughs> but um, anyway, but so like I was like, that is what I'm looking most forward to is serving alongside them because I love seeing them serve. And my... um Just seeing kids serve really helps them feel ownership. And I'll tell you all some more stories about ways to do that. So what are some practical ways that we can build belonging? So we want to cultivate relationships. We want to be intentional when we talk about building relationships. Again, don't just be the rock that's sitting there. Really think about ways you can be intentional. Teach intentionally. um, Help them participate and help them contribute in the life of the church. So let's talk about that. So consider how we cultivate relationships. Um, I gave you all the example of Bernie. Right. He brings the fourth and fifth graders in there and he is teaching at them for a solid hour. Do they get good time in the word? Yes. Did I have to be like, Bernie, that's like the one hour that we have to sort of help them get to interact with each other and get to know each other. Besides the ones that come on Wednesdays and the ones that come on Sundays nights. But, you know, that's like the main time that we as people who are investing in them get to get to know them. So anyway, we've gone round and round about that. But to be, you know, think about how you're cultivating those relationships. So I love, and this goes back to the listening thing, I love to create opportunities where they're having to share about themselves and people are having to listen, whether they have to repeat it back. They love to play this game where we throw shoes in the middle. I mean, so cheesy. but They would beg to play the game. You throw a shoe in the middle, you pick someone's shoe, you answer a question. Like, there's one question, and whoever's shoe you pick, they answer it. The kids on Wednesday nights would beg me to play that game over and over again. They didn't want to pick a boy's shoe. They only wanted to pick someone so and so shoe. I want to just pick a shoe. Again, I'm not a patient person. I did not want to wait. But anyway, it was so fun and it helped me get to know them so well because I would try to remember everything they said. Anyway, so just think about ways you can help them. The other thing in those little age groups is like to help them also learn to like listen to their peers and how they can like really get to know peers. And I feel like that's gonna be a struggle because so many people are so glued to their phones, hopefully none of those younger aged kids, but the older they get, they look at their phone. Like I said, praise God that my son did not have social media for a long time, but a lot of the kids in our youth group that were with him did. And I can remember one day our um, youth leader being like, Pearson can sit there and talk to people that are different than him and listen and engage them in conversation. And she was like, better than most people. And she was like, and I really think it's because he doesn't have social, I mean like, he doesn't have a reason to be on his phone. Like, cause he didn't have anything. And I was like, well, praise God for that. At least I'm staying my ground. I mean, still, we ended up having the fights about it. Because I was like, oh, no, Sarah told me we did a good job. So I'm not going to give up on that fight, sir. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? So, but just like that, helping them to learn to value people, to see dignity in people, to see what it's like to listen and be reciprocal. Um, And in our fourth and fifth grade time, sorry, I'm kind of dwelling on those friends. But we have just seen such growth in training them on Sunday nights. We have a lot of fun. And I'm going to get to um, this in just a second more about this cultivating relationships. Have a lot of fun on Sunday nights, they come, they eat pizza, woo, we run around and we play games, blah, blah, blah. And then we sit down and we do Bible study together. Um, And we've really tried hard to help them like, listen, to ask questions, to talk, like we're trying to model for them in their little way. And so we've done this for two years now and the youth group for the small group kids that have done that for two years and then gone on to youth group, they're like, it has been the best small group start we've had because they've been learning how to sit and listen and talk about god's word and listen to each other and pray and do things now we've done that on like the most micro level like it wasn't deep it wasn't like but it's neat to see how that like investment there and that striving to do that is sort of starting to pay off some dividends in the way they're able to interact now again intentionality with how we um Cold relationships. We've also done that really poorly. On Sunday nights, Like they're coming to eat pizza, and a lot of the kids all know each other, so I'm just like, oh yeah, let them play basketball, let them run around, whatever. Well, we had a new girl come, right? She didn't know anybody. And she had the most miserable time <laughs> because there was no structured way for her to engage and to actually like, intentionally meet people. So she went home sad. I'm so thankful that we got word back that she had a terrible time, and that she was so sad because no one really connected with her. Um, And so the next week, we had to be intentional. We had to rethink, like, what is a way we can make sure we're all interacting. So what do we do? We had a scavenger hunt where we put all the girls together. So they had to stay together. We had to think through. So when we're thinking about relationships, and she's come back ever since, and like she's started to bond with, I mean, it's been great. But it's one of those things that, like, they they just don't know how not to, to just gravitate to themselves. Because we're all insecure and we all just want to be with like who we know, and so really trying to help them get that bigger view of that we're all we're all here together as part of God's family. You may not be best friends with so and so, but we can all sort of interact with one another. So just thinking about that. The other thing is um, and listening to them because they know what they need to cultivate relationships. There's this other sweet little girl, and um, our kids love to play dodgeball. I love to play dodgeball until they cheat. They are cheaters. <laughs> All of them are cheaters. I'm like, you are cheating in the house of the Lord. (laughs) You are out. And I think it really hit me. You are out. Get out. Okay. so anyway, we play a lot of dodgeball. They love it. They crave the dodgeball. I'm like, not everyone, though. So we had some rainy nights. And so we couldn't go outside and play whatever. So we're like, okay, dodgeball. So the first week, dodgeball hit. They loved it, going hard at it. Second week, um, still pouring down rain, so doing dodgeball. Well, sweet Catherine, this little girl, she's awesome. She was like, I hate dodgeball. And I was like, well, why do you hate dodgeball? She was like, I miss the games. And they were the games where he played where you actually interacted, right? Because she was longing for that connection with people. And in dodgeball, she wasn't getting it. And I'm like, okay. So I was like, how about this? The people who want to play dodgeball we will let them play dodgeball because, let's be real, the boys love dodgeball. They love to just, they love it. They're also the cheaters. Um, so thereby, <laughs> they will not give up. So the, so the boys play dodgeball. I was like, you know what? I need, we, and I was going to do this. I was like, can you help me? We're going to gather up supplies and we're going to make um, watercolors for me to take to my granny's little nursing home order. So she was like, yes. So Catherine and I went and got the supplies, and all the girls sat around, and they painted, and they talked. And so it helped her, what, connect with people over something. But, you know, again, if I was the rock that just wanted to sit where I was, I would have been like, nah, we're playing dodgeball. That's what we got on tap tonight, love. So I had to listen to her and be like, okay, yes, I see what you're craving. You're craving that connection because you want to have a way to interact. And so that was a way for me to think outside of what, what we had planned and be like, we're going to do this now, which it was great. Okay, so consider how we teach intentionally. So, like I said, Bernie, I'm going to go back to Sweet Bernie. Here's the deal with Mr. Bernie. He may sit there and do that on things. But Mr. Bernie, at the end of every lesson, has a beautiful story from his own life or from a friend's life of God's faithfulness. He always shares that story every week. They talk about that story. He puts it in his lesson. Um, Occasionally, I have to watch Mr. Bernie's stories because Mr. Bernie's old school occasionally his stories might have to do with people ODing of drugs. I was like, okay, Mr. Bernie, they are in fourth grade. I'm not sure we're going to bring up ODing on drugs. He was like, I'm sorry, that was too much. I'm like, too much, too much. Just say she made some bad choices. Like, okay, that was way too much. Anyway, so we had to edit that story. I love him so much. Oh, he's so funny. But but the thing is true about him is that he shares these real stories with him of God's faithfulness after he's gone through these scriptures to show God's faithfulness. And so he does a beautiful job to me of helping plant those seeds of like, These are stories we're talking about, and they are real in the people's lives. And so he does a great job of that. So I would just say when you are teaching these kids, they can think critically. Now, I said they love humor. They can think critically. Okay, two things. One, I love that when we're teaching, like, about Samson and Goliath, an example that was sort of a light bulb moment to me is I was like, do y'all think, uh, I mean, Samson, Goliath, Dave and Goliath, Samson. We were talking about Samson, but they're both sort of similar. But I was like, do y'all think of Samson as a hero? the fourth and fifth graders and some thought he was and some thought he wasn't and so then I was like okay well let's read what it says and talk about it and see what we think but it was they were able to think like then they were able to kind of go back and forth and think critically about whether Samson was a hero or not and you know so it just is neat how they can think and they like to think and so when you're teaching that little age group really let them let them be involved in the teaching engage them in what you're talking about um you know, I love to get them to write things or make lists on the walls about what they're doing or to move around. Um, And also to think about how we're wanting them not just to hear the concrete story, but we're wanting them more to learn how to apply it. And they can do that. They can make the connections between um, who God is and what he's asking us to do. And then how then do we live um, in the ways he said. And so Again, though, but when we're teaching, ultimately, we're always trusting that the Word of God does not return void. Now, also, they have so much humor, and this is what's so funny to me, is we were teaching about Paul and Silas, and on Wednesday nights are crazy at our church. I think, you know, they've had a long day. I don't expect a lot of teaching. I mean, like a lot of time for their attention. Um, but we were going through stories in Acts, so we were talking about Paul and Silas. And... Um, So they had gotten to where they were being rowdy. So I was like, okay, y'all are going to have to start reading the story because y'all aren't listening to me. So I'd cut it up and given everybody different parts to read. But it was just the straight scripture of Paul and Silas. Okay, never knew what would stand out to fourth and fifth grade boys about the Paul and Silas story. So first of all, as we were reading it, they were like, "Um, were they naked? It says they stripped them and beat them. They were naked? I was like, did it say that? I was like, that's not the point of the story. They were like, oh, I think, that's, I think they were naked. I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know if they were naked. I don't know. We're just, let's keep going. That's not the point of the story. So we kept going. And then you get to the part where they drew the sword because, you know. And they were like, are they about to commit suicide? Someone should get him a counselor. I was like, okay, also, <laughs> let us. Okay, so anyway, okay, so we went through the story. We talked about it. So the next week, I'm like, does anybody remember what we talked about last week? yes, we talked about the guy that was going to commit suicide and that they were naked in jail. I was like, that is not actually at all what we talked about. But anyway, all that to say, they are funny people. And I was like, I mean, it's what we talked about. But it just makes you realize that like they are listening. It's just what stands out to them. Um, But I do love them and they are hilarious. And they do keep me on my toes. And my favorite child is this um, sweet boy. And not my favorite child, but he's one of my favorites. But he has so much knowledge of the scripture. It like blows my mind and he, he calls me out when he was probably in, like, second or third grade. He, um, I was, like, telling about Jesus going to be tempted in the wilderness, and I left out the part that said he was led by the Spirit because I was, like, telling the story. And he was like, excuse me, you forgot something. I was like, oh, what? He was like, he was led by the Spirit. I was like, he was. Thank you. stand corrected. Could you come teach us? Um, but he is, like, someone who I can always call on, like, To help engage the rest of the class because he can tell parts of the story and he knows the history of a lot of the things especially in the history books because that's what we've been doing on wednesday nights right now he is amazing so just think about them as um you don't just have to give them as they get in those older ages they really can start to like chew on things and think about things and wrestle with things and it really is fun to teach them because they are very very smart i always tell them y'all's brains are much sharper than mine and so you can do a lot more than me okay so consider how we participate and contribute to our church family being part of the church body is a beautiful thing and um i told you all that story about pearson and my kids just like seeing them and being so fearful that they would resent church and then what the how beautiful it is to me that when we can't sit and worship they still have a place and they still know and they go and sit and they go into worship and they participate Um, but just seeing them and giving them places to contribute is so sweet and um so like our fourth and fifth grade girls and boys they made this snack mix and we were going to give it out to widows and widowers but long story short we kind of got behind so we still had all the snack mix on wednesday night dash wednesday church which was also valentine's day so i was like girls and guys can y'all go just pass this out to anybody you think looks older who might enjoy it um And so we laughed because Katie was like, I think they gave it to me because they thought my hair was great. (laughs) I was like, they did not. They gave it to you because they liked you. But then my husband was like, they also gave it to me. What does that mean? I was like, I think they were just trying to pass them out to everybody. But they took such ownership and like, that's a silly example. But just going and like talking to people around the tables at the church and passing out, they were so cute. But just finding those ways to contribute and... um, and to serve alongside. And then the other thing in our church that's been beautiful and I think has really helped a lot of our children just feel like part is we have a lot of um, middle schoolers that will come with their parents or senior high kids that'll come back and help us with children's worship and like VBS or things like that where they can come back and serve the kids it has been really sweet to watch them um, serve. And then we also have um, a couple of little friends with special needs and um, to watch our children come alongside those little friends with special needs and help them participate and help them um, get to do all the things that we're doing has been really sweet to see them like take ownership of loving someone else in our congregation who's different than them. And so just looking for those ways to see the kids gifts and let them serve, um, letting them pass out the worship guides on, you know, or letting them, Our fourth and fifth graders love to be the people who get to lead like they stand up in front and they help lead all of our songs when all the other kids are singing. We let our older kids put on a play for our younger kids at Advent. All the different ways that you can think of to help them feel like they have purpose and meaning and are part of the body. Because we're not just making them think that, they are. And I think sometimes with children, we don't remember that they are just as valuable and just as part of the kingdom as any adult is. And they're... Um, their participation, their service, their acts of love, their coming together is just as valuable. And so looking for all the ways that you can encourage your children or you can invite children in, like to fellowship meals, to worship, to you know special events of the church, whatever it is where they can be. And I know there's also a time and a place for them to go and do their own thing because I'm like... You know, they're wild and crazy, so they got to get their runs out. But just to think about how you can really integrate them um, into the life of the church really helps them feel a sense of belonging. Um, Okay, but there are a lot of barriers to this, which is just the reality. Kids are insecure. They just are. So they're going to gravitate, and, you know, they're just insecure. We're all insecure in some ways. I'm like, but I will say this. I feel like children make me less insecure because... You know, I walk into church and they're like, "Ah!" that's like this little boy, Jack. He's the best. Um, You know, they are so full of life and love and so welcoming. And so for us as adults to help them feel that same welcome would go so far in making them feel like it's a safe place for them here. And um, our little youth group, um, my son Pearson, and then we have another little friend. And really, they don't, the kids, like my son's best friends don't go to our church. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like his buds that are from school, they go to another church they're not there and um and so when he comes to to youth group and this is true for another one of my friends we were saying how they just love it it's just like they come it's all different people and yet they're still so happy to be there hang out play i don't know it's just so sweet how the church is that place where it's just this random wild conglomeration of people that just have this one unifying thing, which is what Christ and what He's done for us. And it, it's just a beautiful thing for our kids to feel that when they come into our presence in our community. And so it, it's just great for them to have this place they can come and they can be their little odd, quirky selves and they know they're loved and they're accepted and they're welcomed and, they want, and they're wanted. Um, and I think that's true in our homes because, <laughs> you know, there's some of our kids might, I mean, I don't know, sometimes there's phases of life where I'm like, oh, you're being real annoying to me you know but also to be like welcoming and enjoying them in all their little phases of life because they're probably really insecure about that phase too, um is important okay attendance i would say there are so many things that pull our kids away from belonging and feeling part of this the church and they get so much affirmation at some of those other things and like i said there's this one basketball league in birmingham and it makes me so mad because they only play games on sundays I'm like, who does that? Like, only on Sundays. And so there's like a whole group of our little kids at church who play in this little league, and so it makes it so hit or miss whether or not they're there on Sundays and can come do things on Sundays. So there's just so much stuff pulling for that. So that's why when they are together, to be intentional and really cultivate relationships and belonging is really important. Um, And then, I don't know, I think that the elementary years and the little tweeny middle years are kind of can be real hard for just when you are with the kids in a teaching setting. Maybe y'all's children are all perfect and precious when y'all are around them. Um, there just is a lot to, <laughs> a lot to deal with. There's your friends that are like Mah! jumping off walls and like crawling on things. There's the friends that are saying, like, my least favorite is the kids. that are always like, freaking, oh, uh, you know, saying whatever they want to say. Um, there's kids that just don't want to listen. I mean, there's just so much. There's just so much going on. And so classroom time is really hard and can be really frustrating. So this is what I say. One, boundaries are good. They've fallen for us in pleasant places. We are intended to set boundaries and keep boundaries. Um, and like I said, I think that creates an environment where people can flourish. And also, um, trusting that God's work is being done is where it doesn't return void. So, being able to show grace and um, being in relationship with these kids. So, if you've listened to kids and you know kids and they know you and you've built a relationship, I can really easily call kids out all the time because I know most of them. So, I'm like, nah, you stop, whatever. You know, I can get on to kids, I feel like, and they usually respond. Other adults will be like with me and they'll be like, oh, that kid has been so bad. Do you think I should tell his parents? I'm like, they're so rude and disrespectful. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know if you should tell their parents. I'm pretty sure their parents know how rude and disrespectful they are because I'm probably sure they're rude and disrespectful to their parents. You know, like I was like, I think we'll just handle it here. So anyway, but it's just hard like in those classroom situations when it's other people's kids or whatever and you want to invest in them and you're like, oh, I cannot deal with you. Like, what is your deal? So all that to say, uh, like just thinking about how you can set up a classroom that has clear boundaries. Like I said, Mr. Bernie is teaching. I think we have sometimes 60 kids in that classroom and he keeps their attention for one hour with the worksheets. Mr. Bernie, I don't know how he does that because if I kept the kids for an hour, they'd be like, nah, la, see you later. But, uh, but he does it. But he maintains a classroom. He has them in. They sit down. They do what they're going to do. So just thinking about how when you bring kids into a space where you're... Um, teaching them or, you know, whatever, cultivating those relationships, that you're making it a safe place with good boundaries, expectations, and also we are called to discipline our children and we are called to help them know what the right thing to do is. And so we do want to gently and lovingly always redirect them from behaviors that are going to break relationship, because that's ultimately what they're doing um, in those situations when they're distracting everyone else from learning about God's Word. They need to be they need to know that that's not helpful for their friends that they want their friends to um love and then i don't know about y'all's church um but it takes a lot of people sometimes a barrier is that there's a lot of kids in a space and to really be able to create a place where they feel like belong, it takes a lot of people it takes all the adults it takes the whole church body really taking the time to see those kids to welcome those kids to befriend those kids to pray for you to pray for your kids we take those vows every time we do baptisms they remind people of those vows. It makes me laugh. They're always like, "Now that you've taken that vow, I'm sure y'all are all going to sign up to help with a small group or come and help Sunday school." I always appreciate when the pastor who's baptizing says that because I'm like, "Yeah," I mean, unless you're going to be a bad volunteer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. All of y'all would be great. That's what y'all here. Um. So anyway, all that to say, like building belonging, it does take people. Um. And I don't know. I just some like sweet, precious children. Now, this is my. I have two more things I'm going to say really quick. I'm not going to read y'all this whole story, but basically this was an article I read about Brian Chapel talking about a Sunday school teacher, and I just, adults, like, I don't think we realize the impact we can have on children's lives. Does that make sense? Like, I just think we underestimate that as older, like, as adults, that us showing love to a child goes so far, and y'all can probably look back and think of the adults in your lives that invested in you and that... um maybe the reason you're still in church today, but I just loved this story and what he um, said, that I just simply have the privilege of telling you that there was a man named Mr. Gene who befriended a child named Brian by greeting him, writing him, not forgetting him, praying for him for many years. There have been more able scholars and more powerful preachers along my course, but no one has been more influential than the man who really taught me. Um, The effectual reverent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So just, I just thought that was so sweet. It was just his third grade teacher who just kept pursuing him and to think that, you know, Brian Chapel now has faithfully walked with the Lord and served for a long time. Um, so, and then again, in all of this belonging and all the things, really what we're saying is that God is faithful, right? Being part of his covenant community um, is faithful and he's the one who will sanctify us. He will sanctify our children completely Um, because we believe that the promises are for us and for our children. Um, And so he's the one who will do it. And so we can really trust him that in all these little efforts that we mess up all the time, (laughs) he's building in our children a love for him and for his church um, and that he's the one who's holding them in his hand and nothing's going to snatch him out, nothing. So anyway, does anybody have any questions about that? Sorry, y'all, I'm really like spastic. I didn't mean to talk at y'all so much again. I do like that about rituals. You're right, because children know those rhythms of like what to expect and when they're going and what's going on. Okay, if y'all have any questions, y'all might probably have lots of questions because you're like, she's crazy. If y'all want questions for the Q&A thing, they told me to pass these out and I did not do that. How old is Mr. Bernie? How old is Mr. Bernie is 65? I could look it up, 68. 30 years, isn't that amazing? He is the best and he is so funny because he loves missions and so, um like our missions festival is coming up and he um so he's been like did you get me a missionary to come just to my class did you get me a missionary and sadly this time we don't have as many missionaries to come so i'd be like no i'm sorry mr bernie i did not successfully get the missionary to get to come to just your class and he was like okay but i was like but you know i always have to miss i'm like but um you can come into the big room and we're gonna have a panel or whatever of people that have gone on mission trips from our church. And he was like, great. And I'm, ass- I'm assuming there'll be a time of worship as well. You know, like Bernie is like, I'm like, yes, there will be Mr. Bernie. We'll sing some songs. So Mr. Bernie is the best. He's awesome. We had to, so our fourth and fifth graders have been like in this room, this big room that's really the chapel room that the, and, and there's benches for preschoolers. And for the longest time, we just were like using the benches as preschool, like was their desk. So they would just sit on the floor. which he really liked that because it was the biggest room. But, Anyway, long story is we needed that room for something else. And so, and I really wanted the fourth and fifth graders to feel a little more like, like a little different from the preschool space because we have a school, so we share all the space. Everything looks like a preschool. And so we got all these bean bags and like soft chairs and clipboards so they could like sit. And Mr. Bernie was like, oh no, it's not gonna work. And I was like, oh, but Mr. Bernie, it's gonna be so fun. He was like, oh no. It's not going to work. So I was like, oh, okay. So we compromise and we have like tables and then the, the bean bags and they use the table. Anyway, so they have desks, but they still have the bean bags. But they love the bean bags. The bean- they love the bean bags. But they love the squishy chairs. But it's like a, a both ends, you know, because like for what Mr. Bernie was doing, he was like, I okay, can't have them rolling around. I'm like, I feel ya. They do roll on those. I have to be like, all right, everybody get your bean bags. Sit down. Nobody else can move until I'm done talking because, <laughs> you know, they will like wrestle and like bean each other with them. But anyway, so sweet Mr. Bernie, he's the best. He's the best. And we have lots of faithful teachers like that. Mr. Bernie's just the one that I gets the most examples since he's done it the longest. <laughs>